a really traumatic experience there. I, I wonder if you have found yourself in that situation, especially now during the midst of COVID-19. Have you or anybody you know ever been given the wrong body to bury? And at what point did you find out that it was the wrong body, that it wasn't your friend or your family member that indeed you had buried. And we've had a, quite a few of these cases being reported in, in South Africa where entire amounts of money have been spent in, in burying the wrong person. But needless to say, there has to be a reburial uh, ceremony that has to take place, but that does not come free. And uh, many families have struggled, I think, emotionally even from that. If you've had that experience, do let us know at Metro FM Essay. That is our Twitter handle or at Life with Tommy. And the hashtag there is Metro FM Talk. At Metro FM Essay, do share your experiences regarding this. It is exactly 8.42 on Metro FM Talk. And under the microscope tonight, we focus on the Russian vaccine. President of Russia, Vladimir Putin, today said that Russia had become the first country in the world to grant regulatory approval to a COVID-19 vaccine after, listen to this, less than two months of human testing, a move hailed by Moscow as evidence of its scientific prowess. Now, the vaccine still has to complete its final trials, and this has raised concerns among some experts at the speed of its approval. But the Russian business conglomerate Sistema has said it expects to put it into mass production by the end of the year. And there has been talk that September, uh, which is just next month, is is, is when they're going to start um, with uh, really move ahead with this particular vaccine. Now, Kirill Dmitriev, who is the head of Russia's sovereign wealth fund, hailed the development as a historic Sputnik moment comparable to the Soviet Union's 1957 launch of Sputnik 1, the world's first satellite. So what can we make of this vaccine? To speak to us is Professor Shabir Mahdi, Professor of Vaccinology at Wits University and is also the Director of the MRC Respiratory and Meningeal Pathologists Research Unit. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Mahdi, for your time this evening. Now, have you been following the development of this vaccine and what do you make of it? Uh, so good evening to you. So I think what the Russians have done is really extremely unusual in that they've licensed the vaccine without having adequate information in terms of the safety of the vaccine as well as whether the vaccine protects against COVID-19 or not. Uh, essentially, when you develop a vaccine, uh, it eventually goes into human studies after having been evaluated in animal models. And when it goes into human studies, there's different stages of evaluation. And that's what we call phase one, phase two, phase three. In the initial phase one, that's when you look at uh, whether the vaccine is safe, at least for very common side effects, as well as uh, the immune responses to the vaccine. And that usually involves enrolling roughly about 50 to 100 participants, as an example. And then you go to larger number of individuals, and eventually in a phase three, you determine the full profile of the safety of the vaccine, as well as whether the vaccine protects against COVID-19. Uh, what the Russians appear to have done is that they've just, just done the phase one component of the study to a very limited extent. They've evaluated the vaccine in about 58 participants, and based on the new responses to the vaccine, uh, they've decided to go ahead to license the vaccine for general use. Uh, and that certainly wouldn't stand up 
uh, in the scientific community as adequate evidence that that vaccine is actually protected against COVID-19 or as evidence that the vaccine is actually safe. What do you make of the fact, Professor, that Russia says that international agreements have already been secured to produce around 500 million doses of this vaccine annually. And also they're, they're talking about the fact that uh, already, you know, Brazil is expected to even produce this vaccine. Yeah, so I think many of the vaccines that are currently in clinical development or clinical evaluation, there's already plans to produce those vaccines. But the actual production of the vaccines will probably only likely start uh, once the uh, studies have been completed. Uh, so the same thing goes as an example for the vaccine that's being developed by the University of Oxford. The facilities to actually manufacture the vaccine is being set up, but the actual manufacture of the vaccines will only start taking place at scale once you've got evidence that these vaccines actually do what they meant to be doing and that they are safe. So it's sort of difficult to understand exactly what they're referring to in terms of um, countries or manufacturers being, uh, being ready to actually produce vaccine in the absence of there being evidence that a vaccine would actually protect against COVID-19. In India, the Serum Institute, Institute of India, as an example, has recently got a grant to set up manufacturing facilities for two other vaccines that are currently going into phase three studies. Uh, and the same thing happens in Brazil, where the Brazilians have actually are setting up manufacturing plants to produce vaccines that are currently under clinical development, but none of those vaccines are licensed. And the only time when they start producing the vaccines at scale is when it gets some authorization by other regulatory authorities, including the WHO, in terms of its safety as well as its efficacy. So I would be highly surprised if any country in the world uh, actually goes ahead and starts purchasing vaccines from the Russians in the absence of having safety data as well as evidence in terms of efficacy. Now, there is a race for nations of the world to be the first to produce a vaccine. There's a sense of a national prestige that is associated with being the pioneer in this regard. What would be the benefits for a country that comes up with the vaccine first? Well, like you mentioned, the major benefit for a country would be the prestige in having been the first to develop a vaccine against COVID-19. But in all likelihood, uh, it's probably going to be different different, uh, companies as well as different academic institutions that might end up coming up with a vaccine in the course of the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, And in addition to that, the other sort of benefit for a vaccine to be developed in a specific country, especially if the manufacture of the vaccine is taking place in that country, is that a country can claim first rights in terms of being able to access the vaccine for its population. Uh, And that is something that is of great concern because eventually what might result uh, is that countries will keep vaccines for their own population and uh, be unwilling to actually have the vaccines exported, especially during this pandemic period. So that is what we call vaccine nationalism, which is of great concern. And there are certain there are certain certain countries that have been very adamant that the vaccines that are developed in those countries will only be for use in those countries in the immediate future, which would be of major uh, concern. What would it take for this Russian vaccine to go through the entire process of approval? 
and well, how much and how much need, time that would take. Yeah, I mean, it needs to do exactly what has been done for every other vaccine that's under clinical evaluation at the moment. It needs to go into phase two studies and then phase three studies. And the, the design of the studies needs to stand up to scientific scrutiny. Uh, what the Russians actually did in their phase one study, as an example, is that all the eight participants were given the vaccine without having an adequate control group, which is, again, a problem in terms of the scientific evaluation. So it needs to go through the phase two and the phase three eventually. In terms of the timeline, uh, the most accelerated timeline would be uh, getting it through those different clinical stages of development of between six to 12 months. So it's unlikely that they would be able to show evidence that the vaccine actually protects against COVID-19 uh, in the next 12-month period, even if they were to start the studies in the next one to two months. And how many vaccines, uh, Prof, are being developed in the world right now? Right. So currently there's about 30, 38 vaccines that are human studies. And that's probably another 130 vaccines that are in preclinical development. So there's a huge number of vaccines that are already in human studies, almost uh, roughly about 40, like I said. Now, of those 40 or so vaccines that are in human studies, there's about five vaccines that, were, that are in a later stage of development, what we call phase, phase three studies. Uh, and those uh, vaccines are being evaluated uh, in Brazil, in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and obviously the study that we're doing in South Africa as well. Of those five vaccines, even if one of those five vaccines are shown to be effective in protecting against COVID-19 and are shown to be safe, that itself would be a huge accomplishment because generally it's only about 10% of vaccines that go into human studies that are eventually licensed. So like I said, there's five vaccines right now that are at late stages of development and those are the vaccines that we'll probably get the answer for first as to whether they're safe, as well as whether they protect against COVID-19. So has Russia jumped the gun here? Without any question. Uh, I think uh, everyone else besides the Russians are probably surprised uh, in terms of having the first licensed vaccine. And certainly there isn't really scientific merit to have the vaccine license. Uh, it is possible to have a vaccine license in the absence of doing a study to look at uh, whether the vaccine is efficacious clinically. But the way to do that is what we call looking at immune responses that is sort of benchmarked against what we know is required to protect against COVID-19. But in the instance of COVID-19, unfortunately, we don't have that benchmark where we can just license the vaccine based on the safety profile and the immune responses. We really need to evaluate the vaccine in its totality in terms of immune responses, safety, as well as whether it protects against COVID-19 or not. And the Russians essentially have done almost none of that. And what has been the response from the World Health Organization? Well, the World Health Organization has been fairly clear about it, that they will not be licensed pre-qualifying the vaccine. So there's a process that takes place at World Health Organization in terms of what they call a pre-qualification of a vaccine, which is when they would then recommend for the use of that vaccine. And that process requires a certain level of evidence, including what has been describing is the type of evidence you would get from a phase two study or a phase three study. And the World Health Organization has been clear that uh, they're happy to look at the vaccine at some stage in the future when there's adequate information on the vaccine in terms of its safety profile as well as in terms of its efficacy before they would consider a pre-qualification of the vaccine. Now, as VITS, you are also working on trials. Tell us about those. 
Correct. So the vaccine study that we currently involved with is a vaccine that was developed at the University of Oxford. Uh, it's a similar sort of a construct uh, in terms of it being a non-deplicating vector uh, viral vaccine. So a similar sort of a construct as the Russian uh, vaccines, but it uses a different uh, viral backbone. Uh, but so where we are right now is that we're doing a phase two and slash phase three study, and the same vaccine has been evaluated in South Africa. It's also currently been evaluated in the United Kingdom as well as uh, in Brazil. And there's another study of the same vaccine that will start in the United States. And these studies, different studies, are enrolling between 2,000 and 50,000 participants. And in these studies, what happens is that the participants are randomly assigned either receive the vaccine or a controlled substance, which means that it doesn't have any effect against COVID-19. And those participants are then followed up in terms of uh, seeing what sort of uh, complications might arise, uh, as well as uh, the number of cases of COVID-19 that occurred in that group that has been, uh, that has been uh, enrolled into the studies. And eventually we then make a comparison of the difference in terms of the attack rate of COVID-19 between the two groups. And that tells us whether the vaccine protects against COVID-19 or not. And the same thing goes for sort of other medical conditions to determine whether there's any differences in terms of the safety profile of the vaccine uh, between the two groups. So those are the type of studies that's currently underway in South Africa. Uh, in terms of where we are, we've just enrolled over half of the 2,000 participants and we expect to complete enrollment by the end of this month. Now, Professor, in the midst of these clinical trials, what are the possible worst-case scenarios as far as the impact of these uh, you know, vaccines that are still being developed on the human body? Could there be any seriously adverse reactions to these uh, vaccines? Right. So all vaccines will have some sort of uh, adverse events. As an example, you have an injection at a site, you have pain at a site of injection or tenderness at a site of injection. In a few people, uh, in some percentage, roughly about 15 to 20 percent, they might develop a fever. But all of those sort of side effects are generally considered to be acceptable and they're usually self-limiting, which means that they resolve after 24 to 48 hours. But the bigger concern is whether by vaccinating someone, you might actually, that person might end up developing more severe disease after they're exposed to the virus. And there's a certain group of vaccines which aren't in use in humans that could actually result in that sort of a complication. But that being said, all of the vaccine studies, and that's the reason why I say the, Russian, the Russians have basically jumped the gun, all of these current studies in humans are basically designed to try to identify whether that sort of accentuated illness can occur in someone that has been vaccinated. And that would be the worst-case scenario, where someone that receives a vaccine actually ends up developing more severe disease after they're exposed to the virus rather than the vaccine protecting that individual. It's extremely unlikely to occur for the majority of vaccines that are currently in clinical development. There's one class of vaccines where they take the virus itself, the sars coronavirus to itself, and they sort of kill the virus and that inject it into people. So there is one or two companies that are actually looking at that sort of a technology in terms of uh, vaccination. But And that is perhaps the type of platform that's in technology that poses the greatest risk in terms of what we call enhanced immune disease. 
because of vaccination. Uh, but for, a, for the rest of it, that would be the worst-case scenario, really. Professor, signing up to be part of a, vac- a vaccine trial is a voluntary process. But should you be one of those outliers who does develop a more severe disease due to exposure to the uh, clinical trial, what type of recourse would you have? In all of these clinical trials that are undertaken, uh, the sponsors of the study are obliged to take out medical insurance for the participants uh, in case they end up developing a severe adverse event because of them having received the vaccine. Uh, So that is really the only recourse that is available to the participants. There is insurance that's taken out, and we are obliged to take out this insurance. It's a prerequisite both on the part of our ethics committee as well as the regulatory uh, authority in South Africa, known as SAPRA, as well as globally. So there is insurance that's taken out specifically for the participants should they end up developing a severe illness because of them having been vaccinated. And uh, looking at the timelines here, Professor, I know it is a bit of a thumb suck, but when could we possibly expect to have a vaccine that's actually gone through all the various three phases of testing? So I think we'll be uh, very fortunate if we were able to get adequate evidence from at least one of the number of vaccine studies that are currently underway by the end of this year, which means that the vaccine manufacturer could start as early as next year for those vaccines that are proven to be effective in protecting against COVID-19 and that are proven to be safe. Uh, what does that mean for South Africa? Well, unfortunately for South Africa, it's unlikely that we would be able to access vaccine any time, at least until the third quarter of 2021. Uh, I think much of the vaccine that will be produced initially, manufactured initially, much of that will actually be taken up by the countries uh, where those uh, manufacturing facilities currently exist uh, before there's adequate sort of uh, capacity to export some of the vaccine to other countries. Uh, it's unfortunate that in South Africa we don't have the facility to be able to manufacture vaccines, uh, so we kind of need to go in line with many other countries in terms of trying to access the vaccine. But there are initiatives underway, uh, known as the COVAX initiative, which is being led by Gavi together with support from WHO, which is trying to facilitate uh, access to vaccines at an affordable price for low- and middle-income countries, including countries such as South Africa. All right, we'll leave it at that for this evening, Professor. Thank you so much for your insight and a really important conversation that we've had there. Thank you once again, and you have yourself a splendid evening ahead. That's uh, Professor Shabir Mardide, Professor of Vaccinology at Wits University, talking about the Russian vaccine. Thank you so much for all the comments that have come through. Let me just read one of them before I go. Reverend Max and says, I trust Russian vaccine more than anything from the United States. I'll be there first in line, uh, he says. Dofondofo, however, has a different view and says, I don't trust Russia. And how did they help them as a country? Is it working? Have they tested it? For they're still going to test it. How did it help them as a country during this difficult time? So differing views there. But I I guess when you look at Russia and this uh, vaccine, I'm just reminded of this quote, wisely and slow, they stumble, they that run fast.
I guess it is worth waiting for the first quarter of 2021. If the vaccine truly has only been through phase one of the testing, still has two more to go. From myself, Tamin Gubeni and the Metro FM Talk team, it's good night for me handing over to Sintle, the man behind the jams. Give yourself a great evening. Good night.